This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7, a quarter past 12, and this is Pet Chat. And our pet vet today is Dr. Robert Stabler. He has a special interest in animal behaviour. Robert, today, uh, well, of course, it's, it's become much colder this week. Winter is upon us. Does this make a difference to our pet's behaviour? It certainly does because they're much more likely to, um, I guess, inside, we're not doing as much, we're not doing as much exercise, so therefore the animals are just a little bit more irritable as we are and they tend to, certainly if the animals like dogs are inside, they tend to might guard the lounge or guard doorways. Does that mean, uh, does that have uh, implications for members of the family? Yes. So, keep off this lounge, it's mine. That's right. They sit up on there and give you the evil stare or the little grumble and say you've got to be very careful about where you're treading. Um, Really, they should be respecting you as you should respect them and we have to uh, offer leadership and help them to know what's an acceptable behaviour and certainly growling and that sort of thing. So if they do that, it's best for them to actually be floor dogs So instead of up on the lounge, it's best for them to be on the floor, on a blanket in a special spot. And that spot shouldn't be near the doorway. It should be more in the corner of the room so they feel secure, so they're not in a traffic area where people are trudling by all the time and just talking to them and saying hello. But if you've got a couple of animals inside, it also means that they're going to be more um, very much territorial conscious. So like office politics which most people are very aware of. And being a girl, you were a girl in the playground once, so you know what playground politics is like. So between dogs, uh, very much the same, that they can actually, yeah, there's always hierarchy, there's always changes going on. So if you have, say, two dogs at home and you're training them to get off the lounge because that's where you want to sit, uh, is it best to give each one their own corner? Yes, best for them to, like, and I shouldn't really use this analogy, boxing, so a neutral corner, but so send them to different corners of the room. If they want to curl up together and be warm, that's fine, but when you ask them or if they're looking at each other and staring and a bit stiff and tense, then you say, okay, back to your, like you'd say to a child, back to your room. So is it uh, likely that two dogs that normally get on quite well in nice, warm, summery weather when they're out and running around, that they might have problems? That's uh, right. Suddenly develop into personal problems. That's right. About five years ago, I spoke at a national conference about inter-dog rivalry, and that was that in winter, it seemed to be that those cases became more uh, prevalent. And I think that's the reason that they were confined more. They didn't have that outlet of of running around and walking and exercise. And so... um, they yeah, focus their attentions more on each other. So if you have a couple of dogs at home or a couple of cats or a mixture of dogs and cats or even just one of anything and you've noticed some interesting things with their behaviour, give us a call. 49216216 will get you through to us and Robert will have a chat about what it means and what you can do about it if, you've, uh, if you're wondering, in fact. So uh, do dogs, are they a bit like people, Robert, when, they, uh, when it's cold they don't want to go outside quite as much? Very much, yeah, they are the sensitive type ones. The grass might be wet outside and, and often house-soiling problems, so urinating either at the door or not being wanting to go outside, they tend to um, yeah, hold on a bit longer than they should. And if people come home at that particular time, then they might be met with a little bit of a soggy shoe. So it's important to remember that some animals, yeah, just taking them out a bit more regularly than you would have through the summer because they're out and about anyway, whereas in winter we have to take them out 
you know, on an hourly basis, just so that they get up and move around. Arthritis, that sort of thing comes in winter, and so that's actually good for them, just to out for a short five-minute walk, because if you stay out there too long, your nose will freeze. So, <laughs> And their noses are fairly separate. Uh, what do you call it? Very sensitive. Sensitive is the word I'm thinking of. Thank that's you. <laughs> well, yes, we're talking pet behaviour in particular. We can talk about other vet-type problems too, of course, because Robert's very versatile. And right now you're listening to Pet Chat on 2NURFM. It's 21 past 12 and Dr. Robert Stabler is here. We're talking pet behaviour specifically. Gaylene has rung in on 49216216. And hello, Gaylene. Hi, how are you? Fine. You've got a question for Robert. Yes, I have. I've got a nine-year-old boxer, male, that's been defected. We'd like to introduce another uh, younger dog and uh, like a pup or something, but he's never been uh, really socialised as, as a younger dog. And um, we, we tried to do this um, with my daughter's dogs, and uh, he was always very aggressive. Now, what's our chances of um, being able to get another dog? We've moved out onto a property, like just, it's only two and a quarter acres, but, um, you know, I'd like to him to be able to have company to sort of exercise with and that. Yep. Um, certainly if you've got a male, it's really important to get the opposite gender. That's the first thing. So a female. Good to right. get a, a puppy six to eight weeks of age if you can because that way it's not as threatening to the older okay. animal. Um, right. Boxes are usually okay, but I have seen some aggression type issues in them. It's usually that perceived invasion of territory. You moved out of the property a while ago or just recently? Um, about four months ago, yes. Okay, so there's still a little bit of change going on in his uh, situation at the moment too. So um, I would sort of leave it another few months. Um, one of the other things is to get a different sized animal or a different breed because if you've got similar breeds, it means like two border collies chasing a ball. They're right. very much on the same wavelength or track, so it makes it... Again, that blurred hierarchy sort of situation. So um, different breed type, different size, different age, if we can, different personality. So um, something a bit more bomb-proof than, a, than an excitable boxer. So a Labrador or a, a Cavoodle or Pug or something like that that is different. Always on introductions, it's best to do it on a neutral territory, so in a park or somewhere different. See how they go. Usually I also say crossbreds are a bit better because you haven't got particular line breeding that happens in particular show breeds that they maintain their particular show standards. So it means that you've got a, a less likelihood of any particular either medical or behavioural issues. Um, and being on the property, it'll be important to set a, a reasonable place on where they can roam to and things. So a bit of short lead sort of stuff and then long lead and then if they're good, off lead. Okay. Um, I was thinking of uh, like a Cavalier or you know, yep. just something that size. Yeah, it's a good idea to have a, that huge, uh, a big size difference so that it's not a, a blurred hierarchy, either same oh, okay. age, same breed, same size, same personality. Yes. So litter sisters are actually the worst, so they... Right, um, okay. <laughs> I shouldn't really say that, but in, in um, they, they're just all those that things are the same, the size, the breed, the age, and they're going through those developmental life stage changes. But a puppy is the most important thing because then it's learning from you and learning your family and your routines that helps the animal to feel more comfortable and settled. Right, okay. That's great. Okay. Any suggestions as to what kind of breed I should have? (laughs) 
Oh, but um, yeah, the Cavalier uh, Cross or something like that or that personality is a good way to go. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Good luck. Okay. Good luck with increasing your family, Gailey. 49216216 is the number to ring if you have a question or a comment you'd like to put to Robert Stabler, our pet vet today. And uh, just a quick question on the wind, seeing I mentioned that. Um, does it make a difference? It makes a to huge animals? difference to animals because when you think about it, there's all these new allergens, there's all these new smells, electricity, barometric pressure change. It actually will send some animals that are a bit more nervous or anxious, just make them more hyped up and aware. You know, it's a, a, the old adage of, of, of farmers and, and teachers know very much, you know, <laughs> what the weather's like because the, um, the farm animals or the children are, are very much sillier in wind. And when you think about it, it's just, it's just all very excited and, and, and different and blowing and more noises that happen, doors banging and things and leaves rustling and, Certainly they can smell the, the roast being cooked from, yeah, four or five miles away. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to 2NURFM 103.7. Our pet vet today is Robert Stabler. And, uh, well, lots of questions about pet behaviour. And let's go to Debbie from Woi Woi. Hello, Debbie. You've got a question for Robert? I do. Hi. Um, I, I have a little Bichon Freeze whom I bought from a breeder at four months of age. Yep. And it, it's obvious that she she was never put on a lead or a collar because I can't, she won't wear one. If I put a collar or a lead or even a jumper or something like that on her, she just sits and will not move and salt. Yep. Um, How old is she now? She is now about 18 months. Yep. Sometimes that... That can be just that um, they are just very nervous. Um, like people with anxiety issues, they have a higher personal space. So if they've got something on her on that they don't want and it feels different, it's very, it's like your skin's crawling. It's very irritable. So um, dogs like this especially don't like um, head halters because that makes them very um, um, n- nervous and more uncertain about what's happening. Some of them will, as you said, sit and freeze. Other ones will chuck a nana and they will flip and do somersaults and rub yeah, on the ground. I've done that. Yep. I've done somersaults. I've even bought it like a harness, a little yep. body harness. Yep. Um, yeah. A really soft velcro like the really soft ones. Yep. So you've got to try little things like that, but only put them on for a couple of minutes and inside. So put them on and then just gently stroke her to help her to feel comfortable with it, then take it off then put it on again a bit later, then attach the lead, walk out just to the front door and then back in again, and then out to the front gate and back in again, just little bits at a time. But it's an indicator that there's some serious underlying anxiety issues. So we need to have special den-like areas. We need to increase play. Sometimes we actually put animals like that on medication to help to just lower the thresholds at which they get anxious. Um, So it means that... Yeah, if she did, didn't get them till later at four months of age, it means that they spent a fair bit of time either in the, the breeder's, um, hopefully house, but it might have been just in a shed or it might have been only with other animals. So it means that they do have some socialisation issues from when they were little. So it's very, very small steps with her from the sound of it. Yeah, she, she was an anxious dog, I guess, because she used to get excited and piddle a bit, but she's, she's actually beautiful now. Good. Um, but is a problem with that that lead so just you just think i should just persist with it um, just very very gently and calmly and if she did do the little um excitable urination it also means that she has some anxiety issues some of the other things that indicate anxiety are eating a lot of grass 
um, sometimes licking a lot or blinking, um, all those things indicate that there's some issues there. So take it very slowly, give her plenty of time, and hopefully that'll help her to feel a bit better. Sounds, Debbie, as though you're on the right track anyway. And uh, you're listening to 2NURFM's Pet Chat, and Colleen joins us now from Raymond Terrace. Hello, Colleen. Oh, hello. Question for Robert? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I have a blue, a female blue healer, which um, she, I got her and then two of my family dogs, a brother and sister, came back into my life. So um, anyway, the two females, the female um, blue healer and the female Kelpie Cross, hate each other and are extremely jealous of me. Yes. Um, I can't go near either one without the other one reacting badly and they often get into quite vicious fights yeah unfortunately um two's company um three's a crowd so <laughs> so and me as the third one or no that's the, the you said a brother no. and a sister yeah, yeah so um the brother and sister not too bad because the different gender means they're okay but they would have gone through various developmental life stage changes if they've come back to you again they've been somewhere else and it means yep. they've gone through a change in family or routine yep. and certainly in a small average backyard in australia then certainly that pressure of territory is just exaggerated by them being in that small space so Unfortunately, it is not something that's going to go away very quickly. Oh, the one that behaves the worst, actually, is the blue healer. Like, she yep. incessantly barks and yep. tries to, you know, pick the fights, whereas yep. the, other ones te- the other female tends to walk away more. That's right. And, and how old's the um, blue healer? She's about five. And the other female? Um, eight. Yeah. So there's just some, some issues there. So it's competition. Best to always feed them totally separately. Unfortunately, best not to do, as I was saying to the lady before, feed them one on one side and one on the other because right. that's way too close. Oh, okay. You actually need to, um, if you're doing any training, train them separately. Yep. If they're out on a walk, then usually not too bad when they're in a, uh, an open space because they're looking at all those other different things. That's true, yeah. When they're inside the house or inside the yard, that's just each other and so the whole thing escalates and gets more silly. So unfortunately you may have to actually have one inside one outside oh, and the right. boy becomes the the playmate for the <laughs> for that so yeah he's so docile he's yeah fine, you know. and most so, males you know, tend to most men tend, tend to stay away from these um important female discussions as <laughs> we we know we know when we're we're beaten <laughs> i mean when uh, I'll, I'll just shut up now. <laughs> um, so there's no with the uh, the blue healer there's no like, even before my dogs came back to the other problem, she's just an incessant barker. Arousal excitement, cattle dog, working dog type, that means that if they're not given enough good mental stimulation, they will make their own. Barking is really yelling in people, so really it's better to to not allow that, that to happen, redirect it to toys, ask them to sit and be sensible and calming training, put them on lead. If those things aren't working, then time out. Good luck with that, Colleen. And we'll move now to Mark. Mark's from Katara, and you've got a question, Mark. Yeah, g'day, how are you? Going Good. well. How can I help you? Mate, I've got a German Shepherd, and she's two and a half year old. Um, and when my son has his, my son's six year old, when he has his mates over, they, um, she's always jumping up at the back window and when the kids go outside to play, that we've got to lock her in the pool area because I just don't. She just reacts a bit funny. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm just, she's just a bit sus on, on, you know, how she reacts with other, other kids. Unfort- I just don't know what to do. Yeah, unfortunately being a guard dog type, it means that they are more territorially conscious. Unfortunately as well, having a son means that you're more likely to have um, boys that are over and playing. It is boys that are more likely to be bitten on the face in their own backyard by their own dog, according to the statistics. So when you think about boys, what are they doing? They're running, they're playing, they're teasing, they're jumping, they're noisy, and all of those things get the dog excited, and it means that um, the dog, yeah, if you've got that uncertainty and, and you're not sure about what the dog's going to do, it's far better to actually isolate her because we don't want her to have the opportunity to practice doing anything else apart from the bark and, the, and that sort of thing. If Because of that unpredictability... Um, you need to just do as much as you can, calming, settling, training with treats, sit, stay, drop, shake, left, shake, right, roll, left, roll, right. Asking it to be sensible while the boys are inside and you're doing it right up at the back of the yard. So it's as far away as possible, helping it to be sensible. If she's good and calm, then great, she gets to come a bit closer. And that's the same thing if they are outside and if they can stand still for a bit. I know young boys can't do that, but if they could, then you gradually walk around them or you actually introduce her when she's in a park-type situation so that it's at a greater distance and there's all these other things to focus on rather than just her territory, just her yard. Um, And um, if you are concerned, then um, it's better for her not to be near the kids especially. So... Um, just gradually, if you can, getting her used to that. If not, then we can, as I said, try some medication, Prozac, to actually take the edge off the anxiety issues. At yeah. two and a half, she's also just learning to um, reaching social maturity, which is around three, three and a half in dogs, in bigger dogs. So if she's learning, then that's good. If she's not, then you need to keep her further away. In some animals, literally, I have to start from 100, meet, 100 metres away. Right. Even when the kids are in the pool swimming around, she's just running around the pool barking and, and wanting to get in there. I don't know. Now I don't know if she just wants to get in there and play or what. But we've had the locker in the garage, so it just seems like every time my son has friends over, we've got to lock her up. Yeah, and that's the problem again with a larger dog. It's bigger dog, more potential for damage. So yeah, unfortunately in the garage, calming her down, asking her to be settled. Um, but it is the arousal that means that we can't predict what might happen, and that makes it hard. Do you think a li- do you think a little will, will calm her down? Oh, she's not desexed yet. No, no. I would desex her. Do not have a litter because a litter can actually make them more territorial and more possessive. It can make it the situation worse. So. Hi, Kevin. Desexing would help to just reduce that arousal level. It takes the hormonal component out of the equation, but it won't stop the behaviour completely. Oh, okay. Good luck with that, Mark. And we now have Robin. Uh, who's rung in from Broke. Hello, Robin. Hello. Um, I have a three-year-old Labrador whom I try and walk every day, depending on the weather, and we generally do like a block, and dogs will rush out at the gate and bark at him, and he's fine. We keep walking, but when we get to one particular house, he goes off his head, um, the hackles are up, and he nearly pulls you over. Now, if we turn around and go in the opposite direction and go past that same house, he doesn't do anything. What sort of a dog is in that house? Beg your pardon? What sort of a dog is in that house? Or is it a perhaps... Uh, there's three dogs. Ah, okay. So, 
um, in situations like that, it's like us. We can um, sometimes meet someone, we have instant rapport. Other people we meet, and we go, not quite happy. And, and so it's the same with the dog, that it will actually have some animals it loves and some that it doesn't like. Sometimes that's built on a breed basis. So Labradors will prefer to play with other Labradors if they're given the opportunity because they look the same, they play the same, everything seems normal. Um, or it may be that, that, that one of the dogs in that yard has a particular yap that it doesn't like. There could be a particular smell. Dogs are very amazing with their sense of smell. So um, have a few stories about um, animals that react to the local... Um, and should I say this on radio, drug supply house, uh, but they are just so much more on guard duty when they walk past that sort of thing. So if he is reacting more to that, then it's best just to avoid it. Very interesting that it, it only works one way. Yes. But I would walk on the opposite side of the street. I would cross over a house or two beforehand and then walk across the street and go back and then over again and walk around it. But... If it does work, walk, it doesn't uh, react one particular way, then um, that's the way to go. It's much better to do it when it's not reactive and that helps it to be calm and, and be good. The problem with, the, as you said, the rushing animals that come out of people's yards, it would be nice if everybody was a responsible pet owner, but they leave the gates open and really outside their yard is the most dangerous place to be. Your yard or the yard either side of your house is where the dog is going to protect the most. Right. Um, past that, it's not as much, but walking every day is excellent, good for you, good for the dog. It's like listening to radio, it's like what, reading the newspaper. You're picking up on so much more information, it's sniffing and, and allow it to have a good sniff and a, and a wee and that sort of thing because that's, when we think about it in the average backyard, boring, nothing to do. I've, I've, I've checked the fences again, um, they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> so walking outside is just so much more interesting if we didn't have the other dogs rushing out, it'd be so much safer as well. There's something to try, Robin. That sounds good. And Lynn has rung in uh, from Wall's End. Hello, Lynn. You've got a question for Robert? Yes, I do. How can I help you? Oh, hi. How are you going? I've got two Himalayan kittens, a yep. seal point and a red point, and they're about six weeks um, a bit different in their ages, like one's five months and the other one's like nearly seven months. But they love each other, they do everything. But when I nurse the red point, he'll suckle on my buttons. And when I nurse them both, he'll suckle on the seal point's um, paws. Yep. Um, some, how, do you know how old it was when it was taken away from its mother? Six weeks. Okay. Um, sometimes in particular oriental-type breeds, you actually can have a, a tendency to an obsessive-compulsive disorder, wool-sucking um, it can just be that they're just very, um, if you like, very gentle um, and nervous animals and they like to suckle. That's part of their, um, like people chew their nails or some kids are better with dummies than others. Some children like security bears, some don't. And so um, it may be that he's just, yeah, a bit of a sensitive, um, it's a boy and a girl? Yeah, or? They're both male, they're both dissects. Yep. Yep. Um, they didn't come from naturally the same litter. No. But um, oh, they all—they've got um, those kitty lounges I bought, and they lay good. on that, and they wash each other. Yep. Good. That's so fine. It's a good. One will wash the other's face. The other will wash the other's face. But yep. I just wondered how long the the red point would be wanting to keep suckling. Sometimes it can go on for another few months. Sometimes it's a lifelong thing, but only oh, okay. in, intermittently. So the important thing is again to redirect 
that frustration or uncertain behaviour to toys. Yep. So ask them to play, groom them two or three times, a long, slow stroke, head to shoulder to rump to tail. Yep. Always having them slightly separate on your lap or on one side of you, each side of you on the lounge, yep. so that we're not, um, as I said before, the competition sort of things that can increase the potential for um, aggression. Two boys, they're both desexed. Yep, yep. Great. Just like they belong, they think they're each. They think I think they think they're one. That's right. Yeah, and and <laughs> and that licking is just really confirming that this is the way we smell. This is the way we look. This is the way we act. Oh, okay. And it's a very much a bonding and family type situation, and it really helps them to feel good with each other. Very important though for the future to have at least three litter trays in three different locations. Yeah. Because two boys in the small space, potential for territory marking, especially at the front door, side door, side window, and the same at each of those places I would put a scratching post yep. so that they can scratch and mark territory at each of those different places. Yep. The same with food and water at each of those different th um, places so that one doesn't necessarily control access to litter yep. or scratching post or food and water. I tried that once thinking, oh, I'll just try to separate them a bit. But the other one goes meow, meow, meow. Panicked, and ran yep. up and ate out the same bowl as the other one. Yep, yeah. Um, so I, don't, I think that they've never fought. I've never seen them hiss, scratch, they play. But um, I've also got a five-year-old blue point and he just sits there and just watches them, you know, and they don't. They just get on like, they're just so docile. But, you know, I was just wondering how long he's going to suckle on... Um, on, yeah, on the pause. it could be an anxiety type behaviour. If you have another male in the house, then certainly I would be very strongly recommending to have lots of different areas because three boys in a small place, it's like a, like blokes in a pub on a Friday night. It's <laughs> Inter-social behaviour. That's okay, right. Okay, what an interesting problem. Now, Greg has rung in from Cessnock. Hello, Greg. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I have a 17-year-old Maltese poodle who has a leaky mitral valve and some fluid on the lungs. Yep. She is on uh, Fluzepex. Yep. And she's on amylinin, I think it's called. Yep. Um, half of one of those a day and two lots of Fluzepex, 750 mil twice a day. And she's as active as a puppy. Yep. And she's um, she gets the coughs every now and again, which I gather is the fluid. Yes. And this particularly of a night and more in the cold weather. So a few nights she hasn't been sleeping, so I took the risk and I have some ACP10s which she goes before she goes in the car and just gave her an eighth of one of those and it settled her down beautifully for the night. I'm just wondering if that's okay to do that every now and again. To, to I, that. At 17 year old she'd certainly be showing some senility signs. If not, the brain is certainly half the size of what it should be most likely and um, there will be issues with that. The more we keep them active, as exactly with um, older people, the more active we are in our brain as well as physically, the better chance we have of not showing as many symptoms. I would not use the ACE tablet because if you've already got heart problems, that's a sedative and it can certainly uh, affect the heartbeat. Um, so while it may be that she sleeps well, she might not um, wake up. So the ACE would be a very dangerous thing to do. There are other medications we can use, and certainly um, getting a, a, a check X-ray would be a good idea. Some of these old dogs are amazing. As you said, she's very active, and that's wonderful. Keep her busy with toys and, and just short walks. Just well, she has, another, uh, she has a Maltese Silky that, uh, yep. as well. Yep. well. We have one, and she, 
she's never fought with a dog, but she gets very cranky with this one. <laughs> but I find her standing in the middle of the lounge room from time to time, wondering where the hell she is, I think. Uh, and it, she, she is just so much, like, so enjoyable as she was with a puppy. Excellent. A puppy. That's great. And sometimes if she is just um, standing and staring, it is that she's just off with the pixies. I think, so I think it, she gets that every couple of you know a couple of times a day. Yeah, and 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 I'm like that, so that's not a major <laughs> problem. <laughs> Just like people. Well, it seems as though she's in good company, Greg. Pet chat on two and URFM at seven to one, and we're taking calls. Uh, we have had a lot of interesting calls from listeners on pet behaviour. Richard has rung in from Ashton Field. You've got a question you'd like to put to Robert? I have. Um We've got a well. The daughter's got a great Dane who's rather well behaved, actually. But um, just as well, eh? <laughs> you bring him inside, and he wants to dig the carpet up, and it's just something he's done virtually from day one. And it's yeah. And she's just moved into a new house, new carpets, and it's a habit we'd like to break. And he digs the carpet up when you're not there, or when he comes in just from outside, as though he's sort of marking territory and wanting to roll and rub, and it's just fun. It's just no. We uh, originally. He had a big kennel and it had carpet in it as well. Um, and he soon dug that out. Um, as you can imagine, the claws and the yep. paws and a great dame. Yep. Um, it's not just coming in. He can be lying down quite happily and he'll walk to another part of the room and decide that that bit of carpet's got to come up. And when you say come up, it really does take it up. He really... He really, yeah, he really puts... Removes the underlay. Well, just about, yes. Yeah. So sometimes it's just really good fun. So it's like people ask me why do dogs dig out in the yard. Sometimes that's because they can hear the bugs underneath. Sometimes a little bit of grass that moved. Sometimes it's that it's in the middle of, of summer and they want to find a cool spot. If you've got two dogs, then you can certainly get some very interesting um, mining and subsidence issues underneath the concrete slab out the back. Um, it sounds like if he is a male, then it can be partly that territorial sort of aspect again. They do have scent glands underneath their feet, and okay. that is something that they use to mark territory, same as cats scratching on a lounge. So when they're actually marking, at, uh, um, scratching at the carpet, it's that they want it to feel more comfortable, but it's also that this is my spot. Malamute-type dogs, husky types, will also do a lot of, you'll see them do it more than other animals, but other breeds will do it as well, they will actually roll and rub on the ground. And that's actually, again, another territory-marking way. This is my scent, and this is how I'm marking my territory. So it would be much better for the Great Dane to learn to roll and rub as opposed to actually scratch. So if you can ask him to sit, drop, lie on one side, and then to sort of roll him a little bit backwards and forwards then he can sort of, it's partly sort of a nesting and a, and a resting and a settling down type procedure. So have, yeah, put a blanket down or a couple of towels so he's got something nice and soft to sort of nestle into when he lies down. It, how old is he? He's um, three, three and a half. Yep. He, um, like, he, she's, she's got a, a, one of those big, it's not a beanie bag, but it's a, it's a bag for his, you know, yes. the, and he can get up for that and yep. walk. To some spot and near the bedroom, for argument's sake, and, and scratch my billy own. And of course, by the time you actually realise he's there from scratching, <laughs> it's too late. Um, and in a previous house where she was, he had a spot near the back door he'd always do, and another one under the dining room table. He had a couple of favourite spots, and it didn't take long before the carpet looked a bit. Yeah. But, you know. And so it's just that when you are big like that, it's a lot of 
sort of like keeping elephants in zoos. It's, you know, they roam for hundreds of kilometres. And so a big dog needs a special spot and he likes to make it soft and comfortable. But try the blankets and the towels as a distraction. If it's not working, then we need to maybe try some medication to take the edge off the anxiety potential back background to that behaviour. Thanks, Richard. Good luck with that, Richard. And uh, just to say that we've had a call from Bob from Maryland. He's a carpet layer, and he says he'll take the dog any day. He can't (laughs) find a good carpet. That's called economic (laughs) stimulus. (laughs) Yes, I think it is. So, and that brings us pretty well to the end of um, of pet chat. Thank you very much, Dr. Robert Stabler, for being with us and telling us all those interesting things about um, about pets and stuff. My pleasure. I really enjoy it, and I learn so much from people and animals every day. It's just amazing. That's a good way to approach it, isn't it? It is. I love my job. I love the people and the animals too. What a great thing. And uh, we'll be back with Pet Chat again next Friday after the midday news on 2NURFM. Let's update the weather right for the moment. Uh, For our sponsor, Maitland Timber and Hardware, the right choice for your next building or renovation project. Fine and partly cloudy today and plenty of wind around. Building, in fact, it should be fine and mostly sunny tomorrow as well. At the moment, we have 16 degrees in the city. Coming up after the news at 1, which is just three minutes away, we'll be talking travel. Sally Lucas will be along. And after that, I'm Jane Klein. I'll be with you with some great music to take you through the afternoon. Once again, thanks to Dr. Robert Stabler. And Pet Chat on 2NURFM 103.7.